better lock the doors, turn up the radio, strap yourself in. Because it's time for the Matt Wyatt Show. The guy who's the color commentator for Mississippi State football and SEC baseball. So, yeah, he brings a lot to the game. And he's right here. Right now. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Listen, guess what today is? It's hump day. That's what I'm talking about. Yep, made it to the halfway point of the week. Welcome into the show here today. is going to be a sports show. Tornadic activity on the docket for today. So dance around. It's hump day. Let's go. Yeah, it's hump day. So halfway point of the week, you have midweek baseball. It's going to happen tonight in Starkville. They were going to play yesterday, but tonight, State's hosting Southern from the SWAC. And uh, that's midweek baseball tonight in Starkville. And then, you know, this time of year, you get Thursday, Friday, Saturday series in the SEC. So one will start tomorrow night. Of course, State and Ole Miss will host SEC series on their, maybe their, their home openers for SEC play anyway this weekend. So you got that coming up. There's NFL trade news. And the new basketball coach at Mississippi State held a press conference today, met some fans and media, answered some questions. We're going to hear that coming up. Yeah. All right. So jump on in here and be a part of the show. I sure am glad to be with you today. I hope everyone uh, is okay. Sounds like everybody kind of emerged unscathed from the really rough weather that came through potential tornadoes knock some stuff down knock some trees down block some roads i got a text from a friend uh, after the show yesterday marcus dupree said he saw a gas station in florida the whole roof had been taken off of it so stuff happened but hopefully you if you're listening um, you and your family everybody okay and your stuff okay as much as possible High winds and dangerous weather yesterday, but thank goodness we don't have to deal with that today. So uh, let's jump on in. You can be a part of the show. Lots of ways for you to do that. Text me on the country, please, and text line. It's 885-ESPN. That is a 601 number, 885-ESPN or 885-3776. Grab a chair, have a seat here at the table with me, and jump on into the conversation. I'll pour you some hot coffee from High Point Roasters in New Albany, Mississippi. I got hot coffee, buddy. I am ready to go. Yeah, text me or call me. Call me today on the Divinity Equipment phone line. It's a real treat for us to get to hear your voice and the listeners, too, uh, that other folks who listen to the show hear a different voice other than mine. But that's your treat, too, because you get to talk to Bill first. You call this number, you talk to Bill and tell him, hey, I want to talk to Matt, and then he patches you through, and now we can all hear you. That's how this works <laughs> on the Divinity Equipment phone line. The number to call it's a 601 number, 995 Give me a call, and we'll chat it up. Jump into whatever you want to jump into. Uh, right off the bat, yeah, thanks for the text, uh, Jakers, on the Country Pleasing text line. He said he did rep- appreciate the weather reports yesterday. Glad to do it. I mean, it's just, the, I mean, there's no other thing to do. You can have that kind of weather, that kind of threat coming through and and everybody listening to this show live yesterday was affected or could have been affected by it. And it's just nothing else to do but see what warnings as fast as we can get them to you, tell you what direction those things were going. We tried it yesterday. Hopefully it helped. Maybe it did. Maybe 
No, but it's just the right thing to do. Uh, sports went on the back burner. And Denzel, thanks for your text. He says, Matt, <laughs> with Tyreek Hill gone to the – he says uh, Jets. Uh, Denzel, the way I see it, it's the Dolphins. It's not the Jets. Now, it was rumored to be Tyreek Hill getting traded from the Chiefs to the Jets or the Dolphins, but it is the Dolphins. And then he wants to know, how am I feeling about it? And B, is it time to trade for DK Metcalf? No, because they just the Chiefs just traded for uh, two days ago Juju Smith-Schuster uh, from the Steelers. So they brought him in, and out goes Tyreek. And now the Dolphins have some real speed. And so we'll talk about that later in the show, what they're getting, what the Chiefs are getting for Tyreek Hill, but what the Dolphins are getting in Tyreek Hill and adding to the mix. They're going to be a really fast football team in Miami this coming fall. So, yeah, I don't really feel too bad about it, you know. Um Probably his best years of service are behind him. Now he is incredibly flat, fast, and he is a you know playmaker. And you hate to not see him in your team's uniform, but um, at the same time, you know you got a lot out of uh, his early years in the NFL, and probably showed you that some of the things that they were doing and doing with him, teams started to catch on to it a little bit, and it's time to adjust. Uh, it worked two and three years ago like a charm. Teams, you know, over the last couple of years started catching on more and more and shutting it down and taking some stuff away. And it, it's time for the Chiefs to adjust, and they're going to do that. Or try to, anyway. And it adds a weapon to Miami. It makes it interesting to watch a Dolphins game with speed like him and Waddle uh, potentially on the field at the same time. So uh, thanks for your text. Yeah, gotcha. Not Jets, but Dolphins. All right. Um... What about the new coach at State? Now, because of the weather coverage yesterday taking uh, front page on this show, we requested to reschedule that interview that we had scheduled with Chris Jans, the new head men's basketball coach at State. And uh, they're going to do that. We'll get another chance to uh, interview him. Today, however, they just got done with it. If you're listening live right now in the middle of the day, they just got done with his introductory press conference. And it's one of those where they had the old stage set up. It's not a typical coach meets with media. They invited fans, opened up, students want to come, that kind of thing. You know, John Cohen gets up first, kind of reads off his resume, um, presents or gives a cowbell to Chris Jans, and then he addresses the crowd like with an opening statement. It's the first time they're going to hear him talk as the new head coach at State. And then in front of the crowd and whoever's there also take questions from media. So that's kind of how that happened. And they just finished it. They started it at like 11 a.m. It didn't go for quite an hour, uh, you know, the better part of an hour. And so there's a lot there. And I would tell you, you know, if you missed it or if that's something you'd be interested in seeing the whole thing, uh, it is good. He's, he's, an inter- he's, a, he's a compelling listen, you know, when he talks, when he was – Answering questions, he kind of draws you in. Does a good, he's a good communicator. You might want to hear it as a fan if you missed it. And so uh, I think you're going to have to go to, uh, what is it, the Watch ESPN deal and go into the replays, and it'll be on the SEC Network Plus replays page. I'm sure it'll be provided on the Mississippi State website at some point, but if you're going to do it right now or in the next hour or two, you're probably going to have to go through Watch ESPN. Uh, I caught a good portion of it live and then went back and watched uh, the early part of the replay, so I was able to see 
the whole thing. And I pulled some things out for you that he said, just so you kind of hear what he sounds like and the way that he talks. Chris Jans, he's got a raspy voice um, that's typical of a lot of coaches. Probably the most famous around here was Rick Stansberry. You know, when he was coaching at State, he really had the reputation that right after ball games, Coach Stansberry would get in a press conference and he could barely make a peep. Like he didn't have a voice. It was just air and vibrations. <laughs> and um, you can tell that like Chris Jans, his his vocal cords are uh, pretty well shot after all the years of yelling and screaming and coaching. I mean, it's it's typical. You know, it reminds me of of all the strength and conditioning coaches in, on the football side. And I don't know how, how it's different. It's like position coaches, head coaches in football, they do a lot of yelling and screaming, but it must be different. It must not be as as because they're coaching a position group. Whereas the strength coach, strength coaches in football, they've got a room full of 75 to 100 guys throughout the offseason. They're yelling and screaming because they got to motivate, right? So those are the guys in football. Like the Matt Bayless voice, if it's not really a voice, it's more just a scratch, you know? Well, basketball coaches, a lot of them have the same thing. And Chris Chris Jans is one of them. Um, Not as bad as Stansberry, though. Uh, I will say that. So he's got that raspy coaching voice. Uh, I'll let you hear a few comments here, and I'm going to lead up to one that that reminds me of of a point that we need to reiterate uh, between me, me and you, when you talk to people, we all need to be on the same page on this going forward for any coach in any sport. And he addressed it. I'm going to get to that comment. So let me let me stop introing and just let you hear it. Here is a little bit of the press conference. First up, he answered a question about his background in JUCO basketball years ago. And I think it was in reference to recruiting and bringing in JUCO players and that kind of thing to kind of spark your roster and all this. But listen to what he said. And this is touching home, especially for us here in the state of Mississippi that is so JUCO heavy, you know, and every few counties we've got another community college that's pumping out Division One athletes. Here's what Chris Jans said about junior college. I love junior college basketball. I cut my teeth in junior college basketball. Some people look down their nose at junior college basketball, probably because they've never been there. Um, I was able to make mistakes without, you know, the bright lights and the big platform as a young coach. Um, but it's, it's a part of my journey. You know, my, my blueprint is probably not one that young coaches look at me and say, yeah, I want to follow his path. You know, where I've been and how many times I've moved and the places I've lived, you know, there's, there's plenty of other better blueprints out there, but, but it's mine and, and I love it and I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, I've, I've learned so much from so many, you know, I've bounced around and, and but I've been exposed to to different ways of doing things on the court, off the court. Uh, I have pockets of people all across the globe now because of, uh, you know, going different places back and forth across the country. But, um, you know, I'm a proud Juco guy. Proud Juco guy. I do think that... And I... I, You know, I don't want to make too big a deal out of it. And I wonder if you agree, disagree with this. You know, if you're a state fan, if you're not a state fan, you might even have a clearer picture on this idea than than I do, or we do, who are fans of state. But it just seems to me that right now, state could really use, its program could really use 
a, a steady flow of highly recruited junior college guys, you know, at least for the next couple of years. Um, and, and it may, you, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, maybe that helps. You are in the transfer era, so it is different than it used to be about going out and bolstering a roster immediately with JUCO stuff. You can do it now with D1 guys because they're flying around all over the place. Uh, I saw a note here that of the Sweet 16 teams, 16 teams, there are 19 players across those 16 teams that are one-year transfers that are starting and impacting those Sweet 16 teams. 19 players across the remaining 16 teams who were playing somewhere else last year. So, you know, rebuilding a roster year after year is going to be a huge key for these modern-era coaches. Here is Chris Jans on coaching in the Southeastern Conference, and they led into it uh, asking him a question going, because, you know, I know you just played and lost to Arkansas. I'm sure you got a pretty good look at it not too long ago when you were uh, going up against Arkansas. I knew someone had to bring that up. I, I, I still haven't. You know, it, was, it was fast and furious, obviously. I still haven't got to process, um, you know, that game. And, and I love being here, but you know, I, I wish I was in, in San Francisco right now playing in the Sweet 16. But um, that, that was kind of cool, to be honest with you. You know, um, to be able to scout Arkansas and, you know, watch five or six SEC games while I'm preparing for, um, you know, the round of 32. And so, obviously, I was completely focused on the task at hand, but I'm human and I was watching, you know, some of these other teams. So, you know, that was nice to be able to, you know, just kind of peek at them, if you will. Uh, But everybody knows, you know, how good a basketball is being played in the SEC. Certainly, there's some turnover right now. Yeah, he's one of them. He's at a school that's got some turnover uh, going on. You look at LSU, uh, Mississippi State. Who are the others? Uh, Missouri. <laughs> Who else am I missing as far as coaching changes? Anyhow, you got a few. So there is some turnover in the SEC. Now, okay, look, here's what I wanted to get to. This is the third and final clip of Chris Jans from the press conference. Now, this is, to me, of all the things that were said – you know, like I listened to it, tuned into it, I like it, but my my internal rhythm, my heartbeat was just okay. Florida and South Carolina, that's right. They're also looking for coaches. Thank you, Denzel. As I'm looking and listening to the his press conference, you know, I liked it. It's positive, but my internal rhythm and heartbeat was kind of the same. Didn't go up or down throughout the whole thing. This is the one time where my heart started to pump just a little bit faster. Is when he said this. The goal is to be in the tournament next year. Um, what you're going to find is with me, you're not going to hear me talking about building a program. Um, in this day and age of transferring and the portal and just the landscape of, of college basketball, uh, I just don't think that's the way it's going to be done anymore. I think you've got to build a team each and every year. And with my junior college background, that's what I've done the majority of my career. So I'm comfortable in this space. I'm comfortable in bringing in bigger classes because, like I said, that's, that's what we've done for the most part my whole career. But um, 
I think it's been proven around the country that you can, you know, turn your, your fortunes around in a hurry. And so we're not going to shy away from our goals. We want to be, you know, perennial um, NCAA March Madness teams. If it's an automatic bid or an at-large bid, um, that's going to be one of our goals each and every season. It's certainly going to be a goal uh, heading into next year uh, as well. All right. You're not going to, we plan, the goal is to be in the tournament next year. You're not going to hear me talking about building a program. The goal is to be in the tournament next year. Um, what you're going to find is with me, you're not going to hear me talking about building a program. Um, in this day and age of. So, and, and I want to say too, this is, it, it, it rung a bell with me. It has nothing to do with his predecessor at state. Ben Howland. I actually thought that that's the thing I liked about Ben Howland. You know, you go back to him getting the job. Ben was a different type of communicator in terms of delivering a message. He he more or less didn't and just went to work, and I'm okay with that. But you never heard Ben Howland when he took the job going, uh, well, this is a rebuild, or it's going to take us a little while to build and to kind of get our program established. And, you know, you didn't hear about all that kind of stuff from him, and I appreciated that too. And and look, Ben Howland took over a bottom feeder mess and made it respectable and injected some con, some consistency into it. It just they had a very low ceiling under him. The program did one trip to the NCAA tournament, but you never did hear him say it was going to take four or five years and that kind of stuff or three years, whatever. And I know basketball is different than other sports, especially football. However, I just wanted to point this out. This is the way it ought to be. This is the attitude and the approach it ought to be for any coach in any sport. Yes, again, the context being football is much different than basketball. Basketball, you have smaller rosters, and it's one or two players can totally flip a team from if you just bring them in. I get it. It's different. It's not that way in football. Maybe it takes a little longer. Recruiting classes are bigger. But still, there's a relative thing here when we're looking at any sport, and that is – Stop talking about program building, okay? That shouldn't be a thing anymore, especially now with open transfers and that sort of thing, okay? Especially now. But really, it never, really this idea of program building, you know, it's going to take two years or three years or four years to do any kind of work for a coach, especially in the SEC, even before the transfer portal in the SEC, because, you know, yes, it's easier said than done, but I will say it, if you're in the SEC, you're one of 14, soon to be 16, but you're one of 14 schools that play in the best conference in the country, and everybody knows it's the best conference in the country. Now, basketball, again, not quite like football, but still, it applies in these other sports, is that, you do have signing class limits in every sport, and the the number of players, athletes that are Division One SEC caliber that are available out there, there's plenty of those types of athletes to go and recruit to field a competitive team or put one on the court every year. It's just a matter of do you get it done or not. Okay. So here's why it rings a bell with me. I'm going to give you an example of the opposite. Okay, 
when I hear a coach say, we're going to be in a tournament next year. The goal is to be in the tournament next year. Um, what you're going to find is with me, you're not going to hear me talking about building a program. The opposite example would be when Mississippi State hired Sylvester Croom as its football coach. December 2003, heading into the 04 season. And December 2003, they that program was a good grand total of five years removed from winning the SEC Western Division and playing in the SEC title game against Tennessee. You were five years removed from it. Five years, a short amount of time. When Coach Kroom got the job and he stepped up to the podium on his introductory press conference, you know, he had the famous line that everybody remembers. They even have used it. The only color that matters around here is maroon. But what I remember cringing about, I was standing in a room, was we're got basically the message of this is a total rebuild and it's going to take us a while. I've told the seniors on the team, you're not going to win right away. And I remember thinking, what? <laughs> I mean, instead of even for it, it may be true that there was some rebuild involved, but don't tell the whole world, particularly out there, potential recruits who you want to come play for you. When you could say, I'm standing here right now and we're just a handful of years removed from this school playing in the SEC championship game and we're fixing to go to work and get back there as quick as we can. You build on the positives and don't spread the message. It's going to take a while. That would be the opposite of what Chris Jans did today, and I like what Jans did. So listen, man, it's a one-year deal. We're building a team every year. The goal is to be in a tournament next year, and if we don't get in a tournament next year, we're a failure. Take that approach. Every coach that takes any job anywhere ought to take that approach. That's the broad-shoulder way to do it. Stick around. And here comes Matt Wyatt up to the plate. The pitch. Whoa! It's a high five! Knocking him out of the park for great sports talk. I'm talking way back. It's the Matt Wyatt Show. Yes, let's roll. Here we go. I'm Matt in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau Insurance. Go! With the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Glad to be on the radio with you today on this Wednesday. Hump Derek. Midway point of the week, we'll go over baseball schedules as we uh, look at midweek games and then look to the weekend. Uh, be a heck of a series going on in Oxford this weekend. Number one Ole Miss taking on Tennessee, who's ranked up in the top ten, really good. Ten- Do y'all realize Tennessee has a relief pitcher that's coming into games throwing 103 and 104 miles an hour? I'm not making it up. I saw a video today where this kid for Tennessee, he's warming up. He's throwing warm-up pitches at like 102. And his last warm-up pitch, he strained so hard he broke his belt. Had to get a new belt. And in the first pitch he threw in the inning, his catcher missed it. It was a 102-mile-an-hour fastball. His catcher smooth missed it and hit the umpire right in the face mask. Bam! Knocked his face mask off. The guy was like jostled. He leaned over, put his hands on the ground. I'm like, look. Even with a face mask, 102 miles an hour right in the face. Anyway, yeah, Tennessee. That Tennessee team comes to Oxford this week. It's going to be a heck of a series, and they've had tweets go out that the first two games are already sold out. I think they have some tickets maybe remaining for the last game. But, uh, oh boy, big series there. Um, 
Text me on the country, please, and text line 885-ESPN. It's a 601 number, 885-ESPN or 885-3776. The country, please, and text line. And you can call me on the Divinity phone, the number to call, 995-1059. It's a 601-995-1059. Let's see here. Jason in Flagstaff on the text line says uh, regarding Mississippi State basketball, and um, new coach Chris Jans. He says, I think the biggest thing State gets out of him is an actual game coach. His teams are fundamentally sound, flexible, and they don't waste possessions. State won't be 0 for three-pointers anymore because they'll be deliberate in plays designed to get good looks as opposed to chunking up 30-foot prayers six seconds into the shot clock because the initial look isn't there or they have no response to the zone. Yeah. You know, that I keep hearing that, you know, Jason, from different angles. The style will be different. Now, you, you know, whether or not it works, you can still get outplayed, right? Right? I mean, that, and, and we're all getting that. I know you're not saying that. They were held to, what, under, under 50 points by Arkansas in that loss in the round of 32 in this NCAA tournament the other day. I, I'll be honest with you, too. I respect it and love the fact that here's a guy who's not, spreading the BS out there uh, in his press conference. He's he's being introduced as the new Mississippi State coach, and he's answering questions. And he said, I'll be honest with you, I wish I was still playing. I wish I was still coaching that team in the Sweet 16 this week. <laughs> it's where I really wish I was, instead of up here doing a presser. I love that. It's what you want. But, yeah, I think some things are going to be different. I thought I'd pass this along. Uh, Jason, you and I and other State fans, you might want to, Notice this because who knows what might come out of it. Uh, it's possible this slid under the radar for some people. But yesterday, how about this? MSU Compliance sent out a tweet yesterday, and it says, Mississippi State students, please help us gather information about athletics interest here at MSU. Students received an email today with a sur survey that will be used to help us in planning for the future of MSU athletics. We appreciate your participation. And then you know, an email went out. Um, <clears throat> so I'm not looking at the actual email, but there was a, sort of a flyer about this. It's a survey they're doing regarding Mississippi State athletics. And when you read it, there was a couple of interesting things. It said, the Mississippi State University Athletic Department is conducting a student athletic interest survey, and we need your help. The goal of this survey is to help determine student interest in, in a variety of sports at the intramural level, club, and intercollegiate levels, and will help in planning for the future. It told students, you'll receive an email in March sent to your MSU account asking you to take part in the survey. Please take a few minutes to assist us in our planning for the future of MSU athletics. It gives them the dates. Uh, it says that the responses they get are going to be strictly confidential. Any personal comments or identifying information you may decide to supply will not be shared with anyone at the university with your permission, uh, without your permission. Aggregate survey information and anonymous comments will be shared with university administrators and staff as important. So I just w uh, wondered what it is about. What it? I don't know if that's something they do every year, but I don't think it is. I don't remember seeing that, and I was just curious. Hmm. So I wonder what kind of information they're trying to gather. Because it does include intercollegiate athletics. 
the reason it sort of piqued my interest too is I had heard through the grapevine, Jason, that you know Coach Jans is interested in getting the student section back around the lower part of the floor, creating a better atmosphere and that kind of thing at home games. Anyway, just uh, found that interesting. Thought I'd pass it along. If y'all know any information about it, if you catch wind of what that email and what that survey is about, y'all let me know. All right, let's go over to the phone line. Divinity Equipment phone. Lynn, hanging on line one. Hey, Lynn. How about it, man? How you doing? Just How right. You yeah, we we made it through unscathed. Sure did. How about you? Oh, man. I appreciate some weather updates like that. I got out of Miami, but that helped keep me kind of calm with my little boy in school and all. So I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know where to get no updates other than from y'all. So. I, I wanted to thank you for that, first off. Thank you. Uh, Appreciate it. But, uh, look, I think the basketball hire, I think, uh, I think our athletic director, Mr. Cohen, he has done a fantastic job. That guy sounds like a winner. Everything about him just seems like he's the, he's the kind of guy that's not going to accept losing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I don't know. He just, he come off that way with little I've heard of him, what she plays today. So I'm excited about it, and I ain't really been excited about being basketball in the state for a long time now, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now, uh, I got a crazy thought for you for baseball, and I mean, this is, this is wrong, probably. Okay. I'm going to throw it out there after just to see what everybody thinks. And this ain't something that's going to happen. Really don't if they talk about it, but I thought I'd do it anyway. You know, we've got bullpen, bullpen issues, and everyone says we do. So... Why couldn't we? Didn't they say at one time Logan Tanner was could have pitched if they wanted him to? Yeah, the arm for it. Yeah, I think in high school that was one of the things he did. Is he was a hard throwing, you know, upper nineties pitcher. Is it too much to ask him to catch eight innings to see if he could do Landon Sims? <laughs> <laughs> well, in the same game, maybe. Um, but if here's the thing though, you know, you got Hancock over there at first base who really is a catcher. And it gives you some, some experience behind catcher if something happens to him too that you're yeah, not getting. That's true. And you know, and Hancock uh catches in the midweek, he'll probably be catching tonight, and then they that what they do is they DH Logan Tanner and Hunter Hines plays first base and he's your first baseman of the future. You know, I, I'll be honest with you, it's probably not as crazy a thought as some people might say, okay, that you could have a game here and there where, you know, Logan Tanner, he's already in the lineup as your DH. And so, you know, if he went out there and threw the ninth inning to throw hard and try to get you three outs in the ninth, you know, what's to say he couldn't do it now? And there's there's two sides to that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't disagree that it would be a good experiment. It's just a matter of like, I guess it's Lynn. You know, it's going okay. Well, this is a guy who's maybe a potential first round catcher. And what are you going to tell people if yeah. you put him? What are you going to tell people if you put him on the mound and all of a sudden he hurts his elbow? You know. I don't know. I don't know how you answer that. I'm just thinking about yeah. trying to eat up innings and see if you can find a guy that if you got deep in the postseason, you could have a closer if you had to have one. Yeah, uh, sure. The lights out. Which Presto may turn into that. We don't know. Right. It's the jury's still out. Yeah, that's right. But, uh, that's I it. Just, it was a. It was a. It's kind of a crazy thought. But uh, my brother-in-law said it was a lot to ask. 
I just thought I'd say. <laughs> it would be a lot to ask in the same ball game, I promise you. But um, you know, the one off yeah. every the one off every now and then where he's not pitching, I mean, where he's not catching, and to say, okay, let's put him on the mound, let him throw three innings. I mean, I'm sure he could do it. Uh, I'm sure he could. Well, um, let's just hope that it doesn't come to that. How about that, Lynn? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. All right, Matt. Well, great show, great work yesterday, and I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Lynn. Yeah, I mean, they put Fristo, uh, not Fristo, uh, Forsyth, their shortstop. They put him on the mound the other night, right, in one of those ball games. Let's see, Nick on the Country Pleasing text line, he says, if Jans can get the atmosphere at the hump back to how it was during the late 90s, early 2000s, he deserves a lifetime contract. The first step is getting students back down by the court instead of empty seats from season ticket holders. I agree 100%, Nick. He says, maybe that'll happen with the renovation of the hump because those years were great. Well, here's the other thing. Renovating the hump, okay, is, is one thing, sure. Two, we've got a long cross-section in history here now, the last decade or so, of those season ticket holders that have low seats not sitting in them. Kills your atmosphere. And the third thing is, Nick, there's about to be an influx of a lot more money coming into the Southeastern Conference as a whole because of the football television package that's going to kick in in 2024. And could, for schools like State, even if they put the students down there and it knocks out a little bit of their season ticket sales in basketball because they run those people off who aren't even coming to the games. Well, to heck with whatever little bit of money we miss out on those ticket sales. We make up for it and then some with the revenue coming from the conference. You can absorb that loss and do the right thing for your atmosphere. Stick around. He's going all the way. With playoff caliber sports talk, it's the Matt Wyatt Show. Hi, back with you. I'm Matt in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. We're talking about what about this crazy idea of letting Logan Tanner, your future first-round catcher, um, pitch an inning for you? Like He was a really hard-throwing pitcher in high school, but obviously just a cannon of an arm behind the plate. Let him pitch for you. Throw an inning, get you three outs if you absolutely have to have it. <laughs> um, B-Dog, too, texted the show, and he said, I bet every player on the team has pitched at a high level growing up on tournament teams. And that's true. They've all pitched at one point or another. Uh, but he points out throwing motion is obviously completely different for a catcher-pitcher, and it is. It's just two different things and uh, mechanically. Maybe, honestly, not from the shoulder to the fingertip, but the rest of you, you know, it's totally different. Um, and what you're doing. I think we can't agree like everybody would hope it doesn't come to that. Um, but, you know, what if? What if State pulled off sort of a, you know, a miraculous sort of coming up in SEC play and getting it together and scratching out some wins and they're on the verge of, you know, I don't know, getting out of a regional into a super regional. And you, you've... You've played in a regional and had to win four games in just, in what, three days? Uh, four games in four days or four games in three days, depending on how the schedule works out. And you just, you're just you worn down in your bullpen and you need three outs. Put that guy on a mound, let him throw hard for three innings, I mean for three outs and see what happens. 
Stranger things have happened, but uh, we hope it doesn't come to that. Everybody was asking me about this earlier, so I thought, well, why not bring it up? A little football. Hey, by the way, Ole Miss is having its pro day today. And they've got like 18 guys, seniors and upperclassmen who are moving on, like 18 of them participating in their pro day. State had its pro day yesterday with like four. Four players or five or something like that. I mean, it's just such a contrast between those two teams, the old players versus the young ones. But that's not what I was going to talk to you about. The reason I'm playing NFL music, big trade in the NFL. Several people were, were texting me about this. Paul texted earlier, said, Matt, I just heard the Chiefs traded Tyreek Hill. Several others did, too. Denzel pointed it out to me. Nick pointed it out. Tyreek Hill has been traded from the Chiefs to the Dolphins. Nick said Tyreek and Jalen Waddle together. Woo-wee! Yeah, um, there's two sides of it. The other side of the, the, the trade is, did you see what the Chiefs got for it? I kind of feel almost like it's a, not to the same degree, but almost a little bit of a of a repeat of the way I reacted when Russell Wilson, the quarterback, got traded away from Seattle to Denver a couple of weeks ago. Remember that? We were on the air, and news popped out here of that of that trade. Um, and, and at the time, everybody was like, oh, wow, Denver is getting Russell Wilson. Whoa, can you believe? <laughs> and then you were like, hold on a minute. Did you see what Seattle got out of it? Seattle got – how many draft picks did Seattle get? for? They get rid of Russell Wilson to Denver, and Denver gave up everything. Like this year's first-round pick or two first-round picks and this one and that one and this player. It was like five or six draft picks and two or three really good football players. And I say really good. Well, one of them was a quarterback in Drew Locke, but he is a QB. I mean, Seattle is the one that came out smelling like a rose in the long run. And this is kind of how I feel about it here. And look, I'm a Chiefs fan telling you it's been – you talk about fun – watching Tyreek Hill outrun everybody in the NFL for the last two, three years and catching passes from Patrick Mahomes. Um, look, the Chiefs were able to, even even on the team that won the Super Bowl that year, the Chiefs were able to have some really slow starts in games, and it didn't matter because they would explode for two big plays to Tyreek Hill and be right back in the game. He's that fast, that explosive. Anybody who's watched him play knows. But look what the Chiefs got out of that trade. you see it? Nick? And Denzel, they're sending Tyreek Hill, who is a six-time Pro Bowler, to the Dolphins for five draft picks. A first-round pick this year, a second-round pick this year at number 50, and a fourth-round pick this year. A first, a second, and a fourth. And they get the uh, the Dolphins' fourth and sixth round picks in next year's draft. Five draft picks in total, including three this year, which are a first, a second, a fourth. And so here is my theory. Based on my own brain and just a little bitty t- 
tiny bit of research. The Chiefs just experienced what it was like to just overwhelm their division for the last several years with a quarterback named Mahomes, a speedy receiver named Hill, a tight end named Kelsey, and just overwhelming these teams in their division with their offense. They just The last few years, they just overwhelmed the Raiders and the Chargers and the Broncos. They just outscore them. And, not, and saying, you know, not that the Chiefs' defense was bad by any stretch, it wasn't. I mean, at times it, they might have played bad, but overall it's been pretty, pretty good. You know, pretty decent. But they just they just ran past those teams in their division year after year with that with their offense. But what is happening in the division? And you started seeing it this past year. What's happening? The Raiders are are a playoff team. And the Raiders just traded for another offensive weapon. Okay? The Chargers were really good. I mean, right there, close to being a playoff team. And they're very good on offense and have a quarterback in Justin Herbert who nobody wants to have to defend these next few years. He's incredible. He really is. Okay, and then what happened to the other team in the division? The Broncos. They just added Russell Wilson. See, it's a chess match that's going on in that division. It gives you a little bit of an inside look sort of at at front offices. What has happened? All these other teams in the division, sick and tired of being outscored by the Chiefs. Sick and tired of not being able to score with the Chiefs. What did they do? Offensive weapons. Drafted offensive weapons in in uh, in Oakland. Oakland. No, the Raiders. They're the Los Angeles, right? Whatever they are now. Okay? The Chargers, what do they do? They draft a quarterback. They add offense. What did the Broncos do? They go trade for a quarterback. So now what are the Chiefs doing? Rather than spend all this money and start approaching that cap on a receiver, and it is Tyreek Hill, but he's been with them for six or seven years now. And defense has started to catch up a little bit to some of the stuff and the ways they were using him this past year. So now they're adjusting. They trade him away, get a grand total of five picks over the next two years, three in this draft, and you watch what will happen. Because they just traded for another receiver, Juju Smith-Schuster, it's gonna who's good. It's gonna change their their kind of their makeup a little bit of how they how they design their pass game. But you can design anything around Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey on offense. And so I guarantee you, the Chiefs are gonna draft defense. They're gonna build their defense. Why? Because the other teams in their division are building offense to try to keep up with the Chiefs. So the Chiefs are like, okay, you're gonna do that. You're gonna Denver. You're gonna trade for a QB. You know, Chargers. You're gonna. You're going to draft Herbert. You got him built up and get him some weapons. Okay, Raiders, you're already a playoff team. You just went and got another offensive weapon. Okay, well, guess what we'll do? We're going to defend you now. Because Patrick Mahomes is not going anywhere. We pick up uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, who's not the same type of receiver as Tyreek Hill. He's not, but he's very good, adds another weapon, and he's probably got just as much life left in his career as, as Hill does. And if you get five picks out of the next two years, three this year, a first, a second, and a fourth, any one of those you can use for a weapon if it's available. Even if the Chiefs were to go in the first round and take some offensive weapon with that pick they just traded for in the first round or with the picks they already had early, I guarantee you look 
It'll be like one offensive guy, and the rest they're going to go defense. I'm telling you, the front office in Kansas City is smart. They are a step ahead of the rest of that division. Andy Reid is smart. He's a step ahead of the rest of that division. Don't think for one second that these teams in the NFL look very far past their own division. They don't because you play everybody in your division twice, and it's the key to consistent playoff runs. And all you got to do is get in the playoffs and play your best then. And I'm telling you, that's what Kansas City's doing. The rest of that division is playing checkers, and Andy Reid and the Chiefs are playing chess. And they're a step ahead. They're about to, they've got enough draft picks now in this one trade. They will not draft another, you know, Tyreek Hill prototype, but they can get another weapon who will be very good and add to the mix. They just added Juju Smith Schuster and use the rest of these picks this year and next year for defense. And they are still going to be one step ahead of the Raiders and the Chargers and the Broncos. Because the Broncos did what? Went and got Russell Wilson, who's on his last leg in his career, and traded away every other pick they had for the next few years. Telling you, there's a reason the Chiefs are the class of that division and have been now for almost a decade. This kind of stuff keeps up. I'm telling you, I'm reading the tea leaves. It's not going to change anytime soon. Am I a homer? Fine. Hour two of the show coming up in the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau Insurance, go with the home team.